But let's also be realistic and, and, and honest and understand that this pursuit of capitalism and, and wealth and money also has exploited a lot of people in communities. Yep. So in my opinion, the days of a company that just maximizes shareholder return, does the things that, you know, a business should be doing, maybe that shouldn't be the model. Maybe 8 to 10% is good. And maybe you should learn to live within that. And maybe you should learn to run a business that can sustain that. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapple Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode four of a five-part series where we're talking about the current state of the coffee supply chain. Quite honestly, it's not pretty. And those of you who are thinking, well, look, the cafes are full and the coffee is flying off e-commerce stores, that is one element of what's happening right now. And I would suggest that it's happening right now because it's either the holiday season after flow-ish, um, but by the time you will be listening to this, that will be done. Right now, we're experiencing a lot of people in a lot of cafes. 2023 was the end of what I think was a bubble. And that bubble is in the process of popping. In this episode of this series, we're going to talk about the coffee industry from the perspective of the roaster and the cafe owner. Talk to us, Martin, about the bubble that's happening right now. Well, the bubble that's accumulated and is popping. You know, I'm going to be a little, I'm going to add some optimism here because I think there is wow. definitely a bubble happening. I do think that the bubble is happening to stick with a the theme to the ill-informed. Mm-hmm. And uneducated in not only their industry, but kind of the impact of global variables and events. Um, and the ones who just took too much money and just decided that money's cheap. Let's just get as much as we can and really grow. Scales um, too quickly. Yeah, I think there's that. But I also think that the fallacy of specialty coffee is coming to fruition. And I think we mm-hmm. can isolate the fact that there are more challenging variables in the industry as a whole, whether it be interest rates or whatever it might be. And I think that we have a very tiny, very relatively insignificant segment, as much as people are going to hate hearing that, um, who never really, in my opinion, understood and defined their place in the industry to create something scaled Mm -hmm. uh, with impact. And I think that those, that lack of education, that lack of understanding was easily masked with cheap money, with consumers having a lot of disposable income with the, the newness of specialty, with the coolness of specialty, with new generations drinking coffee, with cold brew and the different variables that have come up. But I think now when we're getting into more realistic economy, I don't think that segment disappears, but I think it's not as cool, exciting and easy to enter and stay in. Um, that being said, you know, I have a saying in my area where when we're going into the next year, I say this is going to be our best year ever and that it always is because we're always growing. But I have to say for my organ, for companies that understand the lay of the land, I think 2024 is going to be amazing. I think a it's word. Be massive growth. I think there's going to be clarity. I think there's going to be less BS and noise and circular conversation in the industry. I think there's going to be people getting smart and strategic. And those who aren't will be out of the way, won't create noise, won't create fallacies to consumers that aren't really happening at origin. So I think there's a great positivity. Look, like anything else, I mean... And, there's going to be challenges for some. There's going to be massive opportunity for others. Um, I think that the most important thing and the first thing to start with is learning the variables and educating yourselves mm-hmm. to understand and have a strategy because I think that alone will determine which side of the 
line you're on, whether you're going to thrive or not, you know, and it's that simple. I think that it's not as easy. I can tell you from my org game, right? We run on thin margins. Mm-hmm. You know, I own the company. We don't have investors. So I, I can run on seven, eight, 9% net, net income, which is very low for, for our industry. Um, we'll have years where it's 7% and that sucks. And then there's years where it's 9% and that's good times for us. Friends, World of Coffee Dubai is back in 2024, and I am proud to announce that the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward will be the official podcast partner for World of Coffee Dubai for the second year in a row. The Roasters Village will be a one-of-a-kind destination for all things coffee. As an exhibitor, introduce your artisanal roasts to an international audience and gain valuable insights from their perspective. Visitors, immerse yourself in the celebratory coffee culture experience by sampling exclusive cups poured with passion from cafes worldwide and absorb insights that will elevate your own appreciation of all things coffee. Whether you brew coffee or just love savoring a fine cup, this event gathers the global coffee community under one roof in an amazing city. Join us at World of Coffee Dubai in 2024 at Dubai World Trade Center from the 21st until the 23rd of January. Tickets are available at dubai.worldofcoffee.org or you can contact us on social media for any questions that you might have at mapforward.coffee. Get your tickets now, folks. Come see the podcast being recorded live and we hope to see you in January in Dubai for World of Coffee. So it's not that it's going to be, you know, everyone just needs to squeeze and understand where Mm -hmm. to invest money. But I think Mm -hmm. it's also to stop operating on the veneer of things, right? You know, we get challenged every year where people are like, why don't you um, participate in this trade show and that trade show? I'm like, because... A trade shows fifty thousand dollars to do it right. Minimum, Easy, you know. Easy. Minimum, it could be hundred, one hundred twenty-five, one hundred fifty thousand dollars for a company or size. Do I want to put three hundred thousand dollars to go talk to the industry, and or go sell coffee to whoever, or do I want to put fifty thousand dollars into me getting on a plane, flying to wherever I need to fly, meeting with clients, to tell them about all the great things we genuinely do and show them on black and white. Um, and those are business decisions. And that means that I have to spend more time on planes, in hotels, away from my family. But those are decisions we make. And that's because we're well-informed to know that maybe doing those things isn't the best return on our investment. So I think knowing not only that, uh, the side of the, the global economy, but also your own business. Mm-hmm. What do you have to do? What do you not have to do? Um, and I think what's happening is like we're this, this new economic reality that's hitting these people that are living on, I mean, I've seen companies that come to me for help because they're tiny, but you know, they're living on 30%, 35% net income margins. I'm like, dude, that's not reality. And yes, that's reality when you're selling $5,000 a month, $10,000 a month, which, you know, whatever, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. But don't think you can scale that because if you want to scale, now you're competing against people that are actually pricing things fairly and paying intelligent, but fair prices. That's what's going to happen now. All those variables are going to kind of come and squeeze people when people need to understand where they're going to end up or the market will tell them and most Mm. of the time it won't be good. And as someone who has seen thousands of P&Ls from cafes and from roasters uh, and from, you know, other businesses around those kinds of businesses, I can tell you folks, 
to manage your expectations, and I don't know, Martin, if this is going to surprise you, the cafe is, if the cafe is doing well, and, and I mean by well, like really high revenue, cafes that are doing well are getting anywhere from three, maximum six net percent profit. Mm-hmm. Maximum. That's the cafe from a co- coffee roaster. that's hard-earned money. That is we're, not easily we're talking, No, we're talking about millions of dollars, millions mm-hmm. of dollars a year coming through the doors. Now, on Doing the roaster's a perspective, thousand times a, day, yeah, a thousand times a day. <laughs> yeah. What do you think the equivalent is for a roaster? What do you think the average amount a roaster is making? Net profit. I mean, the ones that are doing things intelligently and maybe don't care so much about people are doing anywhere between 12 and 17% that I've seen. The smart businesses. Now, the ones that come to me, I see one of two things. They're making 30% on minute numbers that can't even pay them an income. Mm-hmm. Or they're losing money. When, yeah. Plain and simple. And they're trying to buy market share and they're trying to pay sliding fees and do this and that. And one day it'll hit. So Which it's is either coming, negative right? or it's unrealistic. Yeah. So I can tell you over the thousands of P&Ls that I've seen, the average is about 8%. Mm-hmm. So for Which people- it should be. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay something out. I yeah. want to lay something out very clearly. We need to change the way we do business. A hundred percent. I'm not anti-capitalism. I love, I, I tell people that living outside the U.S. has made me appreciate the fact that you can come from nothing like they did, be an immigrant, not speak the language, learn English. And build a multi-million-dollar business yep. through hard work, but let's also be realistic and 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 honest and understand that this pursuit of capitalism and and wealth and money also has exploited a lot of people in communities. Yep. So, in my opinion, the days of a company that just maximizes shareholder return and does the things that you know a business should be doing, maybe that shouldn't be the model. Maybe eight to ten percent is good, and maybe you should learn to live within that, and maybe you should learn to run a business that can sustain that. And because I'll tell you what, I'm happy with 8%. So I'm going to take your business. When you're trying to get 15%, I'm going to compete against you and I'm going to sell cheaper. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be faster. And I personally think that the big shift we're going to see in business in the next five to seven years is more companies like Myorga who are lean, efficient, and are aggressive and are just going to go out and get business. So while 8% is, quote, bad, I think no. it's the future and I think it's it's where we should be. Well, and... Opinion. And I would push back on that by saying we have a success fallacy in our industry that leads people to believe because they don't understand how to read a profit and loss statement, it leads them to think that the gross profit is actually the net profit. They sit there on a napkin when they're thinking about getting into it and they're like, oh, there's 70% profit in coffee. That's gross profit, folks. And so many people have come to me and said, I thought there was like 70, 80% profit in, in this business, not realizing that I had been sold a lie by either an espresso manufacturing company or by a green coffee trader. And Well, here's my thought on that. I just, don't on. be business. I'm sorry to exactly. sound harsh. Exactly. If you're going to be ignorant and you're going to let a trader or somebody who wants to sell you something, talking to something, I hate to say it, it's your fault. And it's yep. your own demise that you created. I mean, right. Because I hear that too, which is like, you know, people say, we made this. I'm like, did you make that much money or was that your revenue? Yeah, 100%. And I tell them, look, I want to help you. And I tell them, you want me to help you grow your business? I'm going to spend the next two months teaching you how to read a P&L and understand how with that P&L, you can impact what you do and how you do it to make more money. And I have to be honest, almost all of them won't, won't 
reach back out to me. No. Because and most, they want to hear about how to sell cooler coffee or do this. And that. I'm like, if you can't read the PL, you're going to be out of business, whether by your choice or by the markets. So it's going back to our question where we were talking in the last episode of who's going to lose for producers. My, the way that I'm seeing this is this is the time when people who don't know how to read a PL, people who haven't built good business models, people who aren't aware of what's going on and who aren't educated, as you keep reiterating, this is the time when the journey, the process, the whatever you want to call it, is going to hold them accountable to their ignorance. Do you agree? A hundred percent. I think they've lived in, in a fake reality the last eight years, 10 years. You know, I think that we've had easy money, at least in the U.S., for mm -hmm. 10 years. Um, and I, I, I've been talking about this since the, this all started. You know, the whole craft movement started and turned the specialty and this and that. Which is, look, this is all just not realistic and sustainable. I mean, I've had companies who, I, and I've seen them, where you look at the press they get and the recognition they get and the claims they make and they raise $5 million. I'm like, first of all, why do I need to raise $5 million? You know, like just build a business, you know, scrape up what you can. And most of these companies, you know, I've had three now come to me to help them to acquire them or help them out. Companies that raise $5 million, I'm like, well, what, what sort of business do you have? Like, oh, we have mm. 120 subscribers on our website. What are you doing, man? Like, what? You have the audacity to take $5 million of other people's money and you spent it on, you know, glamorous, yeah. glitzy marketing. And, and I think the business fundamentals, and look, here's a, an issue I have with entrepreneurship in general. And I've actually, for the last 15 years, I've been asked to teach entrepreneurship in colleges. Um, in Maryland and down in Florida. And my answer is always no, because you can't teach it. You, you have, have to, to be a little it. crazy to be an entrepreneur. Oh, fuck you yes. have to be arrogant <laughs> enough to think that you can offer All stupid the world enough. in the market. Yeah. It's arrogance. Look, I'm super arrogant. I, I'll be the first to admit it. I believe I can do what I do better than anyone. That's probably 97% arrogance and 3% fact. But one thing I'll tell you is I will work harder than anybody. I will educate myself better than anybody. So I make that happen, but look, it's not for everybody. And I tell people all the time, like, look, a real entrepreneur like me and the people I know who are true entrepreneurs will eat you alive mm -hmm. if you don't have it in you. I will not sleep. I will work harder than you. I will do everything. And that's how I started. And I'm 50 now. And I've been doing this as I was in my late teens, early twenties. And I remember seeing it. I remember seeing a local competitor. I'll never forget this in the DC market who was given, I think $4 million back in the nineties to start. Uh, basically the Starbucks equivalent on the East coast. And he invites me to lunch smartly. So to kind of scope me out and see what I'm doing. And he literally laughed in my face and said, I don't know what you're doing. I own this market. There's nothing you can do here. <laughs> I, within three years was bigger than them. I raised no money. I had no debt and we dominated not only the DC Maryland market, but you know, them as a company, we outgrew, you know, probably now 50 fold and it's just, it's different. It's a different, you know, having somebody that, you know, oh, I have money, so I'm going to start a business or I have a fun idea. It's different than somebody that's hungry and aggressive and believes in something. I think for us, the biggest differentiator as companies, we, we think about our impact on Latin America and the communities and the people that we've made promises to, which we're very selective about doing, by the way, because I think that's a very dangerous mm -hmm. thing. But I think if you're somebody who thinks well, I'm going to talk about my quality. I'm going to talk about this. If you don't have 
the entirety of what it takes to be an entrepreneur, people like me will just run you over. And that's just the reality. And I'm not saying because we're better or smarter, it's because we care and we have a purpose and we have a passion. My team in Maryland is the hardest working crew you will ever meet. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to convince them to give them the 26 off. You know, we, people want to work because they believe in what we do and they care about it. Mm -hmm. You cannot compete with that. Well, it's and we're prepared to pay the opportunity cost. You know, the, it's a long game. You it's a long, long game. A hundred percent. You know, we proudly hit a thousand episodes just recently. And you know what it is to start a podcast. You know how much goes into just getting it moving and getting things happening. And we should take this opportunity to tell people about your new podcast. It's, what's it called again? It's uh, Unfiltered Grounds. Unfiltered I'm doing Grounds. Bartholomew Jones. Word. Uh, he owns Coffee Black. My perspective was, I think it's important for people to hear from, you know, somebody that's really trying to move coffee and the coffee experience and specialty coffee into the black community. Mm -hmm. And myself, who is focused on uplifting Latin, Latin American community, not only in Latin America, but also in the U.S. And it's kind of cool because we have such different backgrounds in some ways. And obviously my company's in a different place than his is right now. Mm -hmm. But he and I have just found like a, we just get each other. We understand each other. We feel very comfortable speaking with each other very honestly. And again, it's part of what I like about what I do, which is the humanity side, right? Mm -hmm. He and I never talk about, have you tried this coffee? Oh my God, I don't care. Yeah. You know, it's like, what, what have you done that has impacted your community? Tell me about this barista exchange program you're doing with baristas from Africa. You know, let me tell you how I built my supply chain that's fully independent of anybody else. You know, those are the cool things. Um, and I think that's what we need to do, right? I keep talking about education, but I haven't really talked enough about the importance of purpose. Mm -hmm. I think when you combine those two things, which is what my orga has and what certain other companies have, and look, some people's purpose is to make money. And... It's a strong enough purpose that they succeed. There are easier ways it. to make money, mate. The coffee industry is not a place where you come to make an extraordinary amount of money in an easy way. I think there's uh, billion dollar companies that nobody's ever heard of that would disagree with you because I think that's something I tell people all the time. There are billion dollar companies in the United States that nobody has heard of. Because in coffee? They know how to move and, oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. And maybe some only $500 million. But I tell people all the time, have you heard of this company? Have you heard of that company? Have, haven't heard of them. Like, well, this company does 500 million. This company does 700 million. Well, this is a 1.1 billion dollar company. There's money to be made. I think the problem is in certain sectors, when people think coffee, they think the hyper specialty coffee fallacy. Mm -hmm. I don't call it a business. I call it a fallacy. Mm -hmm. And I think they think that that is everything. And now that it's being challenged, it's like the world is imploding. But I can tell you that 99.9% .9 of the industry, which is what the rest of the industry is, is counting their money and just quietly sitting back. So I think that while times are getting hard for everybody or more challenging for everybody, I think the whole see who's swimming naked when the tide comes out is happening to certain segments a lot worse than others. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, you're still seeing large traders, large roasters be challenged, but Frankly, I think that's a function of being over leveraged, which is a function of massive ego in a, uh, an operation, an entity that's so big and inefficient and antiquated that they, it's like steering a big ship. They know the iceberg is there, but it can't steer away fast enough. Right. That's what happens when you build a big, bloated, boring company. 
Well, and a risk appetite that's been inflated by people on the internet telling you that this is going to be the next big thing and you should be a part of it. It's that FOMO that seems to be so instilled in our industry. That's really quite concerning. And I think that it's really feeding a lot of what this bubble is about. Yeah. And I think what's happening, like, look, I've had a couple of conversations in the last two weeks, which is interesting about cold brew. People are like, why are you doing cold brew? It's like, look, there's some cold brew success out there for sure. There's a lot of it. Oh, it's yeah. probably, but who's having it? Look, here's the reality we have to make. I, I'll be honest. I've spent, right now I have a full cold brew setup with tanks and canning line. And, and I started messing with, with cold brew tanks in 2012. You know, we're always ahead of everything because we're just always looking ahead. But who's having success in cold brew? It's the people who can find one of like three co-packers in the U.S. that will do a good enough job. will run minimums that are millions of cans, can put you in or you have already the broker and the distributor and the cold chain distribution and the buddy who's a VP at a grocery chain. And that's what's winning cold brew. Scale, influence, money, distribution, access. Distribution is everything in cold brew. Um, so now I'm having all these people like, I want to start a cold brew. That's cool. But tell me how you compete against that. In my opinion, you either do a big, because that's what I got to the point where, you know, I still have that cold brew line. We may have sold it actually, but I kind of decided, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to go find or raise maybe $10 million. I need to go tuck my tail between my legs and go talk to the distributors that I've never wanted to go talk to. Mm -hmm. I need to align with one of two co-packers that has a capacity to do this at scale align with a cold chain distribution company. It's, it's a whole thing. It's a now, whole other can business. you have success locally? Sure, you can sell it locally to local whatever, sell it at the, at the farmer's market. Yeah, but then it's cute. But this whole, it's not a business. Well, it's the specialty coffee thousand. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's where we're at. Speaking of cute and not a business and speaking of the specialty coffee fallacy, we've got one episode to go. And in that episode, we're going to talk about the state of the coffee supply chain from the perspective of the consumer. Because the one thing that I keep seeing left out of the conversation is the consumer. So we're going to have that one, folks. Join us for the last episode of this series. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this series with as many people as you can. Peace, love and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Mapper Forward, head to mapperforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.